over in the book of Acts, let's go to Acts chapter 1. I want to just kind of do a follow-up on what now, after the resurrection. You know, the, the last couple of weeks have been a blessing as we celebrated Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. You know, it was cool to see um, not only the lives that were touched in different ways, but really just kind of contemplating the whole story, starting what took place. You know, that donkey that Jesus rode in to Jerusalem. Think about that. Um, wow, man, fulfilling the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. March 14th, the edict went out, 445 B.C., 69, seven-year periods later, 173,880 days, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, April 6, 32 AD. What a day that is. The king comes in on a donkey, fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, presenting himself to the people. And then you guys know that Friday, he died for our sins. We went, we talked about that. Uh, aren't you guys glad? Is there anyone here glad today that you're forgiven? You're forgiven because you have messed up. We have messed up, man. But the Lord has forgiven us because of the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. And then the third day he rose again to prove uh, every claim that he ever made was valid and just to prove that what he did was sufficient. And so, you know, we, we, we could very well, after looking at these unparalleled events in history, um, today we are here as a church because of that. We could probably dive back into the book of Ephesians, and I'm sure God would graciously bless. But but today, I, I just really sense the Lord was saying, you know, Manny, it would be kind of like, and I know you guys know the story, have you ever watched a movie and then maybe not finished it, and then you kind of want to watch it because you're like, man, I want to find out what happened next. Has that ever happened to you guys? Have you ever done that? Maybe not. You guys probably finish your movies, but sometimes I fall asleep, Right. We'll be watching a movie with my daughter, and uh, next thing you know, like, hey, Dad, just wanted to let you know you fell asleep. Hey, I'm interested in seeing what happened at the end of that movie, so let's check it out. Well, that's kind of how I feel today. I feel like, Lord, we went through uh, the presentation, Palm Sunday, and then the crucifixion, that's propitiation, and then the resurrection, that's proof, right? And you rose from the dead, but what happened next? Because what happened next is so epic, and we have to make sure that we know the whole story. Because when we do, I think it changes everything, you know, to be honest. Like, I was thinking about the church, and not just you guys, myself too. I was like, Lord, um, I know, I know you have more for us. I know, Lord, a lot of times, you know, we find ourselves, it's kind of like going to the best steak you know house in in in, in you know you can think of where you're the favorite juicy steak and you go there and you order a bologna sandwich or something like that you know um maybe you like bologna that's fine i remember growing up bologna and miracle whip but um you know i mean god has so much more for us god has so much more and so my prayer is that we would grow healthy as a body of christ and that we would be able to cast out demons, that we would be able to see the prodigals come home. We would be able to, you know, see the Lord work in ways that I know he can. He's done in the past. He wants to do it again. And a lot of times we blame it on him and we're waiting for him. And God is just saying, no, don't. Well, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to come to that place um, where you can live out, like, for example, the book of Acts. You know, uh, the other day in Bible college, I'll tell you guys this story real quick. Uh, we had an afterglow. 
And so I don't know if you know what an afterglow is, but basically, you know, you go and you're just open to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do here? You know, who do you want to touch? Maybe there's somebody in this church that God will heal physically today. Maybe there's someone here that, you know, you walked in and you're contemplating suicide. And there's a word for you. There's a specific word for you that God has. God knows your pain. He saw what took place last night. He saw how you just barely made it in today and he wants to minister to you. You know, I mean, it's when you're open to the Holy Spirit, he can obviously do anything. And, and I think that a lot of times we're not there. That night, it was kind of cool. We, we did a, an afterglow. It was just a half an hour. Very simple. A, a worship song is, is sung. A prayer is offered. A worship song is sung. And this worship song, it just captured my heart. You know, and I think that sometimes, I don't know if you guys um, have a song or a special song that God will kind of give you for certain seasons. This is a song that came out in 2012. But for whatever reason, when I heard it, it just captured my heart. And I can tell the Holy Spirit was just moving in me. Let me ask you a question. What, what song do you have on replay right now? What worship song? do you have on replay right now? Because God is giving you a new song. It might even be an old song, but it's a new song. God will use worship. You know, I'm not against secular music. You know, that's fine. You guys want to listen to it. You know, I listen to it a little bit, you know, but for the most part, for the most part, you know, I want songs that will glorify the Lord. You know, so he captured me with the with the song, and the next thing you know, I, I've got a few scriptures on my mind, and then, you know, we open it up, and then uh, some people in the congregation, they'll share a verse, or they'll share a word. That's kind of how it is. You're open up to the Holy Spirit, and then maybe somebody will speak in tongues, and then somebody will translate or interpret what's spoken. That's kind of what happens in an afterglow. All I'm saying is this, here we are on a Sunday morning. And my question for you, for me, is are you open to the Holy Spirit? Are you open to him? Because we have to be, because if we are, then he'll do a work. You know, we were open that night Then I went into Bible college and I was kind of cool. I was talking to one of the guys before class, uh, uh, really, really cool uh, gentleman who has served our nation in uh, a war recently, a fairly new believer. Um, But after class, he came up to me, and this is basically what he said. He said, you know, uh, Pastor Manny, I wanted to say something during the class. But um, when we were talking, he said, before I came into class, I had this injury that I got, you know, from the military and sometimes the pain's here, sometimes the pain is there. He said, when I came in today, the pain was there. It was, it, was, it, was, it was intense. I almost didn't even come. But here's where it was. He said, but then all of a sudden, as, you know, we're here and we're talking, things like that, all of a sudden I felt like this, this burning sensation moved through my body. He said, and, and the next thing you know, I... I the pain just completely went away. And so he went to the whole class, pain-free. He comes up afterwards, pain-free. Now, I don't know if God just touched him for a moment, but I do know this, God can heal. You guys know that, right? 
God can heal. Maybe you're here. I remember Mike McIntosh walking through thinking that half of his brain was gone. God touched him. See, we have to be open to the Holy Spirit. And, and so it can't just be the one person. It has to be kind of like the book of Acts when the 120 began to pray and then the Holy Spirit fell and then God did a work and is so amazing. And the book of Acts, if you notice it, you, you don't have to turn there, but in the very end, there's no closing to it. It doesn't have like the typical closing, okay, we'll see you later, you know, type of thing. He doesn't do that. He just continues, because the book of Acts continues today. And so, you know, looking at that, I said, okay, Lord, lead us and guide us as a church. I, I feel like you still want to work in me. God, I have so much growing to do. And my prayer is because I know you love these people, Lord, that they would have the same heart and we would be open to this. Lord, what comes next? What after the resurrection? Um, like I said earlier, I think we got the points for you. Number one is Palm Sunday. That's presentation. Number two, crucifixion. That's propitiation. That means that we appease God. Jesus appeased God with his sacrifice. Number three is the resurrection. And that's the proof that God had validated that sacrifice. Number four, and we're going to talk about that today, is the Great Commission where we must work. Number five is the ascension, where Jesus rises into heaven, and you guys will find that he sits at the right hand of the Father, when that says a lot. And then number six is the unction, and that is there in the book of Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit came. And God is going to change some of your lives. Some of you here, some of you here will leave differently today. You want to know why? Because you hungered and thirsted for that difference because you wanted that in your life and you needed it. And the Lord will meet you here. Look what we read in Acts chapter 1. After the, 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 the resurrection, look what Luke writes. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. And so Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and the former account he's referring to is the Gospel of Luke. He's writing to an individual named Theophilus. It literally means lover of God, and it could be symbolic, but more than likely, Luke being a physician, in those days he would be a slave, this is an individual that he's writing to uh, to tell him the story. Of, of what Jesus had done. Now, the Gospel of Luke tells the story of what he began both to do and to teach. See, it, that was just the beginning. Friend, whoever you are, it doesn't matter how long you have been a Christian, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what God is going to do in your life. Get ready, watch. When we open up ourselves to the Holy Spirit, it's so cool, man, because God has so much more for us. He says that was just the beginning. What Jesus began both to do and to teach. He will do more. He will teach us more. But notice what it says in verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. And so the, the taken up is in reference to the ascension, and we'll eventually get there, how he ascended up into heaven. 
But but before he ascended, it says right here that he had given commandments to the apostles, those whom he'd chosen. It says in verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them for how long? During 40 days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so Luke right here is just basically saying, hey, after Jesus rose, he appeared to people for 40 days. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but for 40 days, he's appearing there, here, different things. He's sharing things with them. We don't know exactly how many. We have at least 11 occurrences, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, but here he says he appeared to them infallible proofs for 40 days. And then when you guys look at the book of Acts for 10 days, they were just praying. They're just praying. They're just praying, which is what we have to get back to start doing. Praying, praying, praying. One accord, 120 in the upper room, praying, praying, praying. More of the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's my thing. God, I know God's going to work today. I know he will. Because some of you have faith. Some of you are open. Some of you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Some of you are willing, you're here and you're willing to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I'm here to tell you that this is just day one. You know, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came. I don't know how much longer it's going to take. God is going to muster us up. And God is going to begin to put in just different people the desire to pray and to fast and seek him. And, and what ends up happening, we're going to see, we're going to experience all that God has to offer. We're not going to be eating the bologna sandwiches any longer, man. God has so much more for us. You know, God right here through Luke tells us that Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Now, uh, real quick, just going over the resurrection itself. On the day that he rose, Jesus appeared five times. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that? The day that he rose, he appeared five times. Do you guys know who he appeared to first? Mary Magdalene, right? First to her, which to me is just so cool. I mean, here's a woman out of whom he had cast uh, seven demons. She never, ever lost the gratitude. She loved her Lord so much that she was the first one to see the risen Lord. Do you guys know who saw Jesus second? The ladies. The ladies, man, they were the ones that went to the tomb. They anoint, they were going to anoint his body again. They were going to finish anointing it. Mary stays there. She ends up seeing him. They're on their way back to tell the disciples and Jesus appears to them. And so the ladies, man, hey, you guys got the edge, I think. <laughs> it's just so cool how God elevates the sisters. In those days, unfortunately, the Jews were so silly. Culture was so bad. The Jews didn't even allow the ladies to be witnesses. And here they are, the first ones to see the risen Lord. After that, uh, the, he, Jesus appeared to two disciples on the way to Emmaus. You can read about that in Luke chapter 24. It was in the afternoon. So Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, the ladies, afternoon, these two disciples who are going the wrong way, Jesus appears to them. And also to Peter, the Bible says in Mark 16, 12 through 13, and uh, 1 Corinthians also talks about that. And so 
You know, the report of the two disciples, the news of the appearance to uh, Peter, the Bible talks about that in Luke 24, 33 through 35. And then that Sunday night, okay, that Sunday night, he appears to the disciples, um, but, but Thomas isn't there. You can read about that in Mark 16, 14, and John 20, verse 19 through 25. So that's Sunday night. So that was all the appearances on the first Sunday. And then about a week later, they say eight days, but more than likely it was the following Sunday, Jesus appears to the disciples again. This time Thomas is there and he acknowledges Jesus, my Lord and my God. You read that in John chapter 20. And then you see his appearance to the seven disciples beside the Sea of Galilee in John 21. And then uh, the appearance to above 500 on an appointed mountain in Galilee. And there a commission was given. And so I wanted to take you guys there. If you would, go to Matthew 28. It's kind of cool just to kind of think, okay, well, who did he appear to? Okay, Mary Magdalene, the ladies. Um, that afternoon, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and somewhere in there, Peter by himself. And then the you know 10 who were there that Sunday. So that kind of knocks off that Sunday. Then the following week, you know, he appears to the other apostles, and they're, they're there with, with Thomas this time. And then the guys that are going fishing. But, but here's something that's interesting, you guys. Um, when the angel appeared to the ladies at the tomb, what did the angel tell the ladies? Do you guys remember? He's not here. Why do you seek the dead among the living? But what did the angel say? Tell them I'm going to meet them where? In Galilee. Now, they're in Jerusalem. Tell them I'm going to meet them in Galilee. And so it's interesting, the angel tells the ladies that. Then when Jesus appears to the ladies, and they, you know, they're on their way to tell the guys, and Jesus appears, you want to know what, you know what Jesus says? Tell them, I'll meet them in Galilee. And so it's interesting, prior to Jesus' death, when he predicted his, you know, everything, death and resurrection, he says, I'm going to die, they're going to be delivered into lawless hands, crucified, rise again, and then I'm going to meet them in Galilee. So I don't know if you've ever really caught that, but it's interesting how there's an emphasis, Galilee, 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 Galilee. Uh, you know, just as a quick side note, Galilee was much different than Judea and Jerusalem. Judea and Jerusalem were very, 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 very Jewish, almost isolated, but Galilee was that road, man, people traveled all over the road, all over the world. They would go through that road. So there's a lot of uh, Gentile nations there, a lot of activity there. But, but to me, it's really interesting how God's saying, meet me in Galilee, meet me in Galilee, meet me in Galilee. And so here's the thing. When Jesus does appear in Galilee, on the mountain of Galilee, because the word has gone out, there's 500 people there. Because a lot of times, here's what happens, you guys. Sometimes we think it's the pastor's job, it's the evangelist's job, it's whatever, who's on staff, it's their job, it's the leader's job, it's the teacher's job, it's the overseer's job. No, there are 500 people there. It's everyone's job. 
The Great Commission is for every single Christian. And so notice what we read here in Matthew chapter 28. And I know many of you are familiar with it, but look what he says. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why do I live? Why do you live? That's why. Hello? No, it's done. <laughs> yeah, that's the Lord calling us. <laughs> it's exciting, you guys. It's not a burden. It is a blessing to know that we breathe, we live for the Great Commission. To make disciples of all nations that of course would assume that we become disciples. Are you a disciple? A disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a a disciple is. And we're going to talk more about that later. But, you know, it begins there, not just a casual Christian. Maybe you're here today and come on, come on, come on. Be honest. I mean, if you're not going to tell the truth in church, where in the world are you going to tell the, the truth? Be honest. Are you completely committed to Jesus Christ? Are you sold out and surrendered? Because if not, then you're not a disciple. This is what God calls us to make disciples of all nations. Number one question, are you a disciple, my friend? I hope and pray that you are. I hope and pray that you're here and you're saying, you know what, Lord? I know I'm all messed up. Join the club. I'm almost as bad as Manny. But Lord, take my life. Take my life. I give you my heart. I'm yours. You want to be that disciple. And then you want to make sure that you obey this command of making disciples. Remember, we talked about the fact that Jesus was here for 40 days before he rose into heaven, and this was the command. Make disciples, make disciples, be a disciple, make disciples. And so, you know, we, we're, there's a lot to that, but, but I believe that making disciples begins in your home. It begins with your family, What good would it be if you made disciples other places, but your wife doesn't become a disciple or she doesn't get saved? What good would it be if you as a husband are a disciple, a Christian, but your wife does not go to heaven? There must be a focus. You're you're here and you're a spouse. And I know we can't force people to do this, but there is power in love. There is power in the power of the Holy Spirit and we have to make sure that our priorities are in the right place. The the, the making disciples begins with your family and God will give you the wisdom on how to do that. 
you know? And then after the family, then, then there's the flock. And so here's what happens. I believe, you guys, there's many of you here, God is making disciples because you're part of the church. And, and it's so beautiful to see what God's doing in our youth ministry. There, God's making disciples out of them. And that excites me because I know how hard it is for them. And the young adults, they're making disciples. And, you know, you've got the men and the men's ministry. What a beautiful work the Lord is doing there. The young ladies surrendered or the women's ministry or you name it. And so even sometimes it's going to church, you know, because of the fact that you guys, everybody's like doing their part. I'm so grateful for our security, for the watchmen that are out there. Sometimes they don't even get to sit in the study, but they're there doing their part. All the different people in the church praying I mean, for the church, sometimes contributing to the church. In one sense, it, it starts with the family, but then it's in the flock. And you don't have to necessarily be the teacher, or preacher, or pastor, or whatever it is, have a position. But because of the fact that you're faithful in the body of Christ, You are doing your part to make disciples. So so in the family and in the flock, but then there is what I would call the front lines. And that is where many of you guys, you're out there in in your jobs and you're inviting people to church. I get so blessed when I, I'm meeting people, you know, and that even on Easter service, and being introduced to a, a, a lady who got saved because her coworker invited her to the service, or, you know, another lady that accepted the Lord actually afterwards outside because her neighbor invited her to church. I was talking to a brother yesterday who was serving in the wedding, and he was talking about how he had invited a brother to the men's fellowship. Uh, I mean, he invited an individual to the men's fellowship, and they got saved. And now he is saying um, he wants to disciple him. It's just so cool to see how you're out there in the front lines, and God will use you. That's why you got that job. Now, I'm not saying you have to necessarily share while you're working, but you're going to shine, and then you will eventually get the opportunity to be able to share as the Holy Spirit will lead you. Not obnoxiously, but, you know, you see someone, the Holy Spirit puts them on your heart. Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, you doing okay? I want to invite you to church or this event we have right here. You know, what we're doing is God is saying, that's why you live. Have we, have we discovered that yet? I think a lot of times we think, no, the reason I live and we can fill in the blank, you know, it's a lot of worldly things. This is so cool to know that Jesus, you know, came April 6, 32, riding on a donkey, presenting himself to the people, died on a cross, rose again. And then when he rose, he's appearing to people and he's just saying, make disciples, make disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And you're like, well, how do you do that? Well, three things, if I could just say this real quick, preaching, baptizing, and teaching them. So it begins with preaching. And, you know, we've talked about this before, you guys. Um, You shine, right, at work, or you shine in your extended family, you shine in your neighborhood, And then that kind of earns you the right to share. Eventually, you have to open your mouth and tell them about Jesus. 
Not just God in generic, not just faith, you know, in that fashion. No, you have to tell them about Jesus. You tell them the gospel. And you know what? The thing about it is this is so crazy because you can talk to some people and they, you know, they share the Lord and they'll tell you it's not necessarily the presentation. It's not the eloquence. It's not us. Sometimes even on our worst days, God might use us to, to share the gospel with someone. You just tell them, hey, you're a sinner. You know, we've all fall sh- well sinned, fall short of the glory of God. You need Jesus, man. He loves you. He died for you on the cross, rose again. If you put your faith in him, you'll be saved. And God will use you to lead people to Christ or at least invite them to church and God will present the gospel there. But all I'm saying is that don't, don't think, well, it has, it, it's Manny, I'm not a really good communicator. I bet you if I ask for a show of hands here, I'll bet you almost anything. A lot of people would say, well, I'm shy. I'm not really a good talker. You know, things like that. I'm afraid. Listen, there is the power. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the gospel. It's not in us. It's not in our presentation. When Jesus appeared, this is why it's so important. Go to Galilee, go to Galilee, tell them to go to Galilee. Go like 500 people, not just the apostles. 500 people. Jesus says, hey, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He says to preach. Mark 16, his version says, preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, because maybe there's someone at your job and you're like, man, Manny, I don't like them. Right? Do you have anybody at your job that you don't like? I'm just curious. <laughs> and so, you know, we struggle or whatever it might be, or, the, you know, the Lord just says, hey, I mean, think about it for a second, real quick. A blind man cannot see the difference between the magnificence of a Monet painting and the scribble of a two-year-old. Right, A deaf man can't tell the difference. He can't hear the difference between you know, the, 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 the composition of the orchestra. It's so beautiful and the scratching on a, on a, on a chalkboard because he, he's deaf, he's blind, he's dead. That's why. And that presentation of the gospel is what God desires. Luke 24, in his version, verse 47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, all nations, every creature. Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, you shall be power, you shall receive power in verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so you guys have that book now, right? That little white book, okay? If you want to, you can keep it, but it'll burn. I'm just joking you can keep it, but my encouragement to you is to give it to somebody. And not only that, take a whole bunch of them. We have a whole, so many back there. I feel bad that we haven't given them out yet. Take a whole bunch and just may the Lord use you in, in giving them to people. And then as the Holy Spirit leads you, then you can start sharing the Lord with them, right? So, so making disciples which are committed followers of Jesus Christ, begins with preaching. Secondly, he uses the word baptizing them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so here's something that I think might be a little different, you guys. Um, 
as a church, we're preaching. As individuals, hopefully, we're preaching. But um, the whole baptizing thing, um, what we have unfortunately relegated it to is to an event that takes place maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. And when when I read my Bible, now it's just kind of like a light came on. No, it should be happening way more frequently than that. You know, when you read the, the Bible, it's interesting. They got saved, they got baptized. They got saved, they got baptized. They got saved, they got baptized. Because there's something special about baptism. When Jesus got baptized, what happened? The Holy Spirit descended upon him. In the book of Acts chapter 8, when Philip was sharing with the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, it doesn't even really say everything that Philip shared, but apparently he shared about baptism in the very beginning. And so the Ethiopian eunuch said, hey, there's a little water right here. What hinders me from getting baptized? Listen, if you're saved and you haven't been baptized, let's do this. What are you doing after service today? (laughs) And I'm only kind of half joking because there is something special about baptism. You know, when we see that, and I've talked to people, and this where God touched them, and you're going down, the old man dead, the new man rising, you know, just going forward in your walk with the Lord, not getting saved and a year later getting baptized. So if you're out there and you got a swimming pool, let me know. We might be taking some, you know, um, trips to the beach. We might be doing polar baptisms. That's fine, man. We need to do this more frequently. That needs to change in our church. If you're here and you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized, John talked about it earlier, Just you just tap on that thing. And I want to know something else. I, I need to tell you guys this. It doesn't even have to be the pastor or the, the church to do it. It doesn't. Anyone. It could be anyone. You're with your friends. You just got saved. They shared the Lord with you. Hey, let them baptize you. You don't have to be ordained to baptize people. We should start doing this because this is what Jesus says, the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be preaching. We need to be baptizing. And it says right here that we need to be teaching them to observe all things that Jesus has commanded us. And I think for us as a church... We definitely have done that part, the teaching part, and praise God for that because that is important. But we need to make sure that we're doing everything else and that we're open to the Holy Spirit so that God would move just like he did in these days. That's what God wants to do today. And so my my prayer, you guys, is that we would have this heart. Real quick, go to Mark 16, and I won't take long, I, I promise kind of. Mark 16 in verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel to every creature. And of course, he's not talking about bugs or animals. He's talking about every person, right? And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now that verse right there, you read it and you might think, oh, baptism is required to be saved. No, we already know it's not. It's not by works. It's by grace through faith in Christ. But it's interesting to me how it does emphasize it. It does emphasize it. You know, when you, if you believe, you should get baptized. Now on the flip side here, it says if you don't believe, 
then you won't be saved, right? Paul said, hey, God has not sent me to baptize. And so we know for sure baptism doesn't save us because that would be the first thing Paul would want to do. But I just pray that we would know this is important. You, you accepted the Lord. Maybe you accepted the Lord Easter Sunday. Maybe you accepted the Lord recently. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. Listen, that doesn't count. Your parents made that decision for you. My opinion is, is that you have to be a, baptized when you understand what you're doing. And so if you're here today, and I just want to encourage you, and, and you say you're a believer, but you haven't been baptized, look at how important it is. Get baptized. Do it. Maybe, maybe, my friend, that's what's been holding you back. You need to tell the whole world, part of baptism is, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to tell the whole world that I am a committed follower of Jesus Christ who was not ashamed to die for me on that cross. Maybe that's what the next step is for you. It's important. Mark mentions it. And right here, when we begin to do this great commission, verse 17, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. We're going to start doing that more. They will speak with new tongues. Some of you do. We have the gift of tongues. Not for everybody, but some do. Main thing is so that they can understand the gospel when you go out, right? And then we see they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now, this doesn't mean you go looking for snakes. You guys, don't be weird, okay? It doesn't mean that you drink Drano or something like that and just watch what God does. No, you want to know what this means? It means that God will protect you, Mr. and Mrs. Missionary. When you go out there, God will protect you. Yeah, the, the natural you know, snakes might, you know, bite you like they did Paul. He's going to shake it off and put it in the fire. God will protect you. And as people try to come against you and they, you slip a little poison in there, don't worry. Uh, you are invincible until I say you're done. So don't be afraid to go and share the gospel. That's all he's saying right there. And they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, I was talking to um, Stephanie is the one that is had the aneurysm and uh, I was talking to her husband. He is a pastor and uh, just, you know, praying for, for Stephanie because, man, it's such a heavy situation. You know, they had to keep her under the, uh, the you know, the sedation uh, because they were waiting for the aneurysm, so to speak, to go down a little bit because once they wake her up, her blood pressure is going to shoot up. And so there's this beautiful family pastor, his wife. She's, like John said, homeschooling. And, and, and you just wonder, Lord, how many people really might we be able to be used by you to maybe see them healed if we stop ordering the bologna sandwiches? Start living the life that God's called us to. 
You know, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when the whole body catches that vision, when people get baptized, when people say, I'm going to be a disciple, committed follower of Jesus Christ, and here I am, I'm going to make disciples. Family, flock, front lines, every creature. You guys watch what God will do. You know, we went through the, the, the day of Palm Sunday, the donkey, the cross, the resurrection. What's next? You know, if you're out here, you're here today and you're struggling, I pray that today um, you would just give your heart to the Lord. If we're here and maybe we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I don't know how it all works, you guys. I just know this, that this last Thursday, God, God touched me. He gave me a song. You know, he did a little miracle. I believe to encourage me. And I know that that's what God wants to do. Things start changing in your marriage. Things start changing in your heart. We're going to see as we look at this whole thing about being a disciple, how it goes from the head to the heart into the hands. Decision that's made, a decision that's made. I will follow Jesus. And then there's a difference. The only difference really happens when it happens in the heart. And then you go and you do. See, this is what God has for us. If you're here at church and you're here maybe not for the right reason, you're like, well, I'm just going to show up you know, for, for that person. Well, I'm just going to show up because it's what I do on Sundays. I, I pray that today you will not leave. You know, the, the high priest, he tore his clothes. My prayer is that today you would just rent your heart. The God of the universe is here to meet you if you love him. Why do you live? Why do you live? You live for Christ. And he's called you to make disciples, to be a disciple. So may God give us wisdom in all these things.